I went to the national finals rodeo at Thomas and Mac in December, and it was literally not my first rodeo. Ha. Huh? But I hadn't been in years, and I forgot how exciting it was. I was actually struck by the diversity of the competitors. Um, Indigenous, Latino, Black, cowboys all took home big prizes. I think most people outside of this tradition think of cowboys as a part of white culture. But that's not really accurate at all. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we have artist and writer Brent Holmes, and he's going to reveal the nearly erased history of the Black Cowboy. It's Tuesday, February 13th. I'm Sarah Lohman, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Good morning. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? Oh, I am really excited to talk about this. Like, I I know a little bit about the history of the Black Cowboy, but mostly that the history has uh, been erased. Like, most of the history of the people of color in the United States have attempted to have been erased, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, when we're speaking specifically about the Black Cowboy, uh, there's some relevant numbers that I'll start off with. Uh, Okay. 25% of all cattle workers in the United States after the Civil War were of African descent or of mixed race African descent. 35 percent, 35 percent of those of all cowboys would have been considered Latinx or Latinx slash indigenous. So when you do the statistics on the history of the cowboy and the representation of what the cowboy is in American popular media, you end up with a lot more people of color than you actually end up with European people doing most of the cattle handling, most of the ranching, most of what we would consider cowboy work. When we use the term cowboy, we have to remember that cowboy is a 17th century phrase to refer to children that worked cattle handling in England that was Hmm. then given to slaves of African descent um, so that they weren't referred to as herdsmen or as men at all because black men were consistently oh. referred to as boys. So the term cowboy yes. during the actual quote unquote cowboy era, which is around 18, the the late, the mid 1860s after the Civil War until the early 1900s, like 1910, 1912, um, before World War I. The term cowboy was not actually something you wanted to be called culturally back then. Cowboy was adopted later uh, in popular culture. Yeah. So what is that flip? Because I feel like the stereotype of the cowboy from movie westerns is white, including, you know, really famous characters like the Lone Ranger. Right. But that doesn't seem like it's accurate at all. Well, the Lone Ranger was black. We all know this now. right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bass Reeves is the person that the Lone Ranger was based on. And the guys that wrote the Lone Ranger radio play heard all the stories of this one black Texas Ranger that worked with indigenous people, i.e. Tonto, to catch and apprehend criminals. Bass Reeves was semi-literate. He he barely could read or write. He uh, was the most effective Texas Ranger in his era, in the history of Texas Rangers from from that period of time. And 
they would send all of the criminals that got picked up by Bass Reeves up to Chicago where the writer's room was for the Lone Ranger radio show. And so they'd hear about this black cowboy that would use a silver dollar as a calling card and primarily worked alone with himself and his horse and maybe some indigenous assistants. Now we got the TV show about Bass Reeves, but Bass Reeves is the original Lone Ranger. So the Lone Ranger was black. I mean, and that history has been totally whitewashed right on down to Johnny Depp. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and that's that's part of the kind of white supremacist cultural hegemony. If people of color invent something or do something incredible and you can obfuscate it and still tell that story, it's glad to be told. Right. Um, Right. So. So, yeah. uh, Lone Ranger aside, there are there are hundreds of black cowboys, honestly, thousands of black cowboys in the history of the United States. Um, And and then there's the entire history of, uh, you know, black rodeo, as you were talking about rodeo and the national finals rodeo. There's also there's also the William Pickett rodeo, which comes tours the country and is an all African-American rodeo uh, showing the skills and abilities of African-American cowboys. That's so cool. And that comes through usually in the fall, right? October, I think. Yeah, in October. Yeah. And it's 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 a great ticket. It's a wonderful time. Uh, I've taken my family a few times and I grew up with rodeo uh, on my mother's side in Texas where we oh, really. Yeah. My family, actually, my cousin Pookie. Yes, we call him oh. Pookie um, <laughs> lives across the street from the William Johnson Arena in a place called Egypt, Texas. And that place does rodeos of all ethnicities relatively frequently. They have a big Father's Day rodeo, which is primarily black. And I'll tell you one thing. If you've never seen a black man rope a calf to the Parliament Funkadelic, then you're missing out on something in life. Ah, I am missing out. Um, I, okay. Well, I'm really excited to attend this fall. So are there, I know you're itching to talk about some more like famous black cowboys from history. Are any of these cowboys from Nevada? Yes. Yeah. In fact, we have a really, um, two really important pieces of history in Southern Nevada Right here in Las Vegas, in fact, you can find the remnants of his first property. A man named John Howe was Mm -hmm. one of the foundational members of the city of Las Vegas, along with so many other notable historical names. And we don't know much about John because, again, emancipated slaves typically did not have uh, literacy. They didn't Mm -hmm. know how to write or read. So John doesn't write anything. There are deeds and land documents that we have so we know where he lived and where he worked and he was a miner he was a prospector and he's on the 1864 1870 census and that's how we know he exists but he has had a homestead right there in the springs preserve you can do it in their wilderness like that wilderness walking trail that's out back of the springs preserve you can find just the slightest foundations of where he lived and he lived all over the valley and was an important part of the las vegas community is there any kind of little plaque or monument to him now in the springs preserve there is a small plaque in the springs preserve um that marks the place where his property was but beyond that Um, There's very little. And the claim at the Springs Preserve is that he was the first African-American landholder in Nevada. Mm. The interesting part about that, though, is that there are two brothers 
the Barton Brothers out in Caliente. And I just finished writing a relatively lengthy article based on the um, research of Rebecca Snestler, the Nevada State folklorist for a few years, who hipped me to their existence. And that piece is coming out in Southwest Contemporary in about a month, talking about lost histories. And so the Barton Mm. brothers were two escaped slaves. We know that either escaped or self-emancipated slaves. We know that we they came to Caliente before it was part of Nevada, when it was still the Utah territories. And they homesteaded uh, just a ways out of Pioche. And they worked for a good 40 years there. They owned land. They assisted with mining. They voted Lincoln County into uh, the larger state of Nevada during that vote. And they're documented in the census of 1864. And there's a lot more information about them, even though they never wrote anything, because the Mormon community documented them. There were more publications about what they did within the community. And there are notes about their lives that uh, you can read about in Southwest Contemporary next month. Ooh, okay. Uh, Any other uh, black cowboys you'd like to shout out? Oh, man, there's so many black cowboys I'd like to shout out. But I did a documentary a little while ago with Black Mountain Institute, a little radio piece Mm -hmm. about Nat Love, because we have several descendants of Nat Love living in Las Vegas. One of them works at UNLV. And then his daughter also lives here in Las Vegas and his grandsons. And those would be the great, great grandsons of Nat Love. And if you don't know who Nat Love is, if you saw The Harder They Fall, the Netflix uh, film about black cowboys, which is a totally great little action adventure, they use the name of a lot of famous black cowboys for all of their primary characters, uh, both Mm -hmm. villains and heroes. But the real Nat Love was a very literate ex-slave who wrote his own autobiography and becomes famous known as Deadwood Dick. And he has a few descendants, like I said, here in Las Vegas. But moving out in scope, he won the Deadwood shooting and roping competitions. So if you ever watch the show Deadwood and you see those episodes where they have cowboy competitions, well, Nat loves a black man that came to town and he won and he won the rights to be to being called Deadwood Dick, which is not a nickname I would have ever chosen. But maybe in the 1800s, that was pretty cool, right? Um, (laughs) He does sound pretty cool. He was pretty cool. And if you look up pictures of him, you can see he's got a lot of swag. He's got a lot of style. And in his writing, his writing is very uh, lyrical and has a lot of style, too, and is you know, pretty incredible and done in the style of kind of the serial Western that was so popular during the era that he was alive. And he lived all the way until the 1930s and actually died in California, uh, a retired Pullman Porter, which is what happened to a lot mm. of African-American cowboys and a lot and and kind of also killed the cowboy trade, which was the conversion from, you know, uh, large cattle ranching for black men to working the rails for a little bit more money. And it really snuffed out part of that presence, which is one of the reasons we lose that later on in the era. And by the 1940s, all cowboys are white. Not that media depiction was going to have anything else uh, go on. Right. But but even on ranches and in, you know, actual modern cowboy life outside of the South, 
most cowboys were of European descent because they had kind of pushed out most of the most of the black people into more urban areas and different career paths. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. So, Brent, why do you think that the real history of cowboys has been erased from our collective memory? When you think about the cowboy, you have to think about Manifest Destiny, and you have to think about the genocidal idea of Western expansion and what the United States was doing, because what we really were doing was we were sending thousands and thousands of people from of all races and ethnicities across the country to the West Coast to settle the rest of the continent. And you're going to see this become the mythology of, oh, we conquered the West. Look at these little homesteaders in their cabins, fighting the elements, battling with indigenous people, uh, yeah. changing the landscape. That's the cowboy myth. And the, yeah. the man alone in the wilderness, taking nature and bending it to his will, uh, reforming a continent, that's mythologically important for what we are as a nation or the image we want to project of ourselves. And so at a certain point when the cowboy becomes very popularized and you have to think about cowboy films in the 1940s all the way up until maybe the 1960s as what we look at superhero films as now. These guys are. Yeah, totally. You know, that's why they're pumping these movies out. And it's about this fantasy mythology of America. And the fantasy mythology of America has always been white, regardless of the facts. Right. Yes. White colonists conquering and i would even throw christian in there too yes you know giving this reason um and this uh, this god-given reason that the west was one that it was kind of put under this american grasp how the west was won right Mm -hmm. as if as if there was anything to win as if there was a competition. Right. You know, I love, too, that you're sort of dropping these places where people can go a little bit further um, in terms of sort of black cowboy history and representation in the media. Are there any other sort of popular contemporary pieces of media where that true story, the black cowboy, has come back out? I mean, you know, like I said, there's a lot of cinema being rebranded because if anything, America is a PR campaign, right? We love making media. It's our biggest export globally. We, We don't talk about that often. But as far as popular media right now, I think the cowboy trend and especially the black cowboy trend is is kind of plateaued. I mean, interesting. I think you have this like Django Unchained moment, right? Yeah. Where 
it, yeah. it, it, it bubbles up from time to time is how it yeah. happens. You get something like Little Nas X doing a, yeah. a massive country hit. You get... And everybody, um, every time is like, black cowboys. Yeah, like, every, every, yep. every time it's an exclamation point, like, what is happening? What? Look what, at him. Like, black people riding horses and wearing cowboy hats. Because, because the image of rural America and the image of the American wilderness is painted as something that is possessed by whiteness and people of color don't belong in these spaces or are not supposed to be in these spaces. Country music supposed to be white, even though there are dozens of great black country music recording artists. Horse riding supposed to be white, even though there's thousands of years of history of horseback riding all over the continent of Africa. It was farm labor. So in the time, it wasn't considered that important. Like these are people that considered sort of the low strata of labor. But then when it turns out it was important, that's when the history was rewritten with white people. Yes. Also, we imbued the cowboy with the highest notion of American radical individualism, right? There is nothing more independent than a cowboy in this world, even right, though right. even though the West was settled by corporate interest and it was a hyper-dependent system where people had to get long supply chains across rugged wilderness and it was incredibly right. difficult. And it was mostly done by women and people of yeah. color, as yeah. usual. Yeah. Uh, most homesteading efforts were done by women. Can I ask you... Yeah. Why should this history be important to Las Vegans? Well, I think first and foremost, Las Vegans need to know, and certainly Las Vegans of African descent need to know that we've always been here. Since the foundation of this region, we've always been here. But also, Las Vegas was, is, and was a major cowboy cultural ideal. We're still referred to as the Wild West. We're one of the last towns that gets talked about like that. And if yeah. we're taking on that Western Western mantle, if we're taking on that Western mythology, then we need to bring that mythology to everyone, not yeah. just one race, one class of people. If we're going to sell ourselves on radical individualism and adventure and the wilderness and uh, self-empowerment, I firmly believe people of Latinx descent, African descent, Asian descent. I mean, I can get into you about my friend Yumi Roth, who's doing a a long tour about Filipino rough riders all around a bunch of museums around the country. You know, National Finals Rodeo in the United States, they had Hawaiian rough riders and bull riders come out. And this is in the the 18 and 1900s. These are, we cannot let this idea of our relationship with farming, with cattle ranching, with the cowboy, uh, be homogenized, yep. you know, into one thing. It's not milk. It's, you know, it's uh, it's a whole charcuterie board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. White supremacy is stealing all of our history away. And as you know, this is why I um, dive into food history, too, because it allows that access point that shows that we have all been here all along building this country together, that we're incredibly diverse and history isn't white history. Um, you know, that legacy it belongs to all of us. You know, that's why I was so excited to do this interview, because I think we all need to investigate these histories that are almost a race, but we can get them back, too. Yeah, we can. We absolutely can. Brent, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this amazing research you've been doing and for giving us some direction about where to learn more. 
Oh, no, Sarah, thank you. It's a real pleasure. And this is one of my favorite subjects. So anytime you guys want to talk about Cowboys some more, feel free. Yay! Well, okay, we're definitely going to the rodeo this fall. I cannot wait. Okay, I'll see you there. All right. That's amazing. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, subscribe, or send it to another local. We want to get more people involved. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. You know, I loved uh, the amount of glitter sequins and fringe that I saw at the National Rodeo. I love it when uh, a masculine man is out there expressing himself with a little pizzazz. Like, I love that there's a place for that in the world. Oh, I do too. And like cowboy, the cowboy imagery and iconography is really interesting because it's got that little hint of drag in the heels, yeah. with the silver and the spangles. And it feels effeminate, but is masculine. It's very peacocky. And I find it really yes. beautiful that we maintain some of that uh, in that aspect of our culture.